0: Well, again, it's great to see all of the red on Pentecost Sunday. And of course, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit today. Oh, one reminder, I forgot to mention, uh, as we always do right after the service this morning, we will uh, head outside together to the centennial altar. We will, we will burn the prayers that we, that we gathered together way back on Ash Wednesday, which seems like Years ago. It's amazing how fast time goes by. Um, but so, yeah, so after the service, we, we will march outside. Pastor Dan will lead us, and we will burn our, our prayers um, out on the centennial altar um, to conclude uh, our Pentecost uh, Sunday services. You know, I think sometimes we're, we're guilty of, of underappreciating the Holy Spirit a little bit. You know, we, we recognize and acknowledge God the Father, Jesus the Son. We, we sing songs about um, God the Father and Jesus the Son on a regular basis here on Sunday mornings. I, and again, I think sometimes we're, we're guilty of underappreciating the Holy Spirit a little bit. You you know it's there, you know the Holy Spirit exists, but 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 sometimes you know the Holy Spirit kind of seems obscure, you you almost don't acknowledge it because maybe you're not kind of fully aware of, of the work of the Holy Spirit impacting your life that much. You know, it's it, it's almost as if God and Jesus are, are the important things and, and the Holy Spirit sometimes gets overlooked. So who so who's the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? And is the Holy Spirit a significant and meaningful part of your relationship with God? Well, I think Paul has something to say to to that question. And uh, this is Galatians 5. I'm going to be reading Galatians 5, verses 16 to 25. And again, who is the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit a significant and meaningful part of your relationship with God? I think Paul has something to say about that. This is Galatians 5, 16 through 25. Paul writes, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, morality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, wild parties and other sins like these. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit." So in, in these verses, Paul, Paul is saying something about the human spirits. There, there, there's something about your soul that is being pulled in two different directions. Paul says that inside every human being, there is, there is this struggle, there's this battle, and, and we end up doing things we don't want to do. And the things we, we, we want to do and we mean to do, we can't do, right? And we get caught in this powerful and vicious cycle because we're not able to be who we want to be. Now, doesn't that just make good sense to you? <laughs> I mean, sometimes the Bible just makes really good sense, right? You, you understand exactly that struggle that Paul is talking about. I understand exactly this struggle that Paul is talking about, right? We, we understand that. We get it. We, we've, we've lived that. We've experienced that. There, there is this constant struggle and battle within our soul. And if, if the earth continues on for another 2,000 years, there will still be this raging battle inside of humanity. So, so the question becomes, what do we do about that? What do we, what do, we do about that? Well, Paul, Paul responds to that question in, in a very interesting way. Paul actually responds to that question in, in a counterintuitive way. He, he, he answers that question exactly the opposite uh, of what we, what we would think or what we would expect. So let me just stop right here and say the first point I want to make this morning about this passage is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary for daily living. Absolutely necessary. Why? Why is the Holy Spirit necessary? Look look, look again at this battle Paul's describing, picking up at verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to... To the sinful nature. So do, do you see the battle there? You, you see the conflict? One desires one thing and the other desires something different. So so we're caught in that struggle. We're, we're caught in that battle. Paul continues. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So again, Paul is saying there's this conflict in us and and you don't even need the Bible to tell you that. You you know that is true, right? You want to change and you can't. You want to do right, you want to do good, but you can't do it. Sometimes changing our lives feels like squeezing a rubber ball Right? We we squeeze the rubber ball. We 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 morally conform ourselves. We we manage our behaviors for a little while, but we lose focus, we, we take our eye off of it, and when we let go, it bounces right back to its original shape. Every time we try to manage our behaviors. Oh I can I can I can I can control myself, I can manipulate my behaviors for a while, I can I can I can change and transform on my own strength. We, we let go, and it goes right back to its original shape. T- tell me this isn't true. We, we've all done that. We've all been there. L- life is not like, this is a paper cup. Life is not like this. I crush it, and it's never going back to its original shape. It's permanent. Right? It stays there. No, life isn't like that. <laughs> life is like this. We try to manipulate, we try to conform, we try to manage our behaviors for a little while till we lose strength or focus. We let go, we get tired, boom, right back to its original shape. Paul is saying that's the condition of the human heart. That's the condition of the human heart. It's not like you make a change and it stays conformed and you've got it under control and it's permanent no instead you 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 squeeze it into the position that you want for a while but then you let go and it's right back to where it was and he, and here's what paul says it's only the holy spirit that's going to allow a level of change in your life that is not just like squeezing the rubber ball doesn't mean it's going to be easy doesn't mean it's all smooth sailing and coasting downhill from here on in. No, no. But what he's saying is this you're never actually going to have a spiritually transformed life by trying to make it that way on your own strength. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You know, maybe, maybe another way to illustrate it is this. So, so let me talk about. Um, mechanical or external change versus organic internal change so 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 if I had a metal bar up here with me on the platform if I had this long thin metal bar and I tried to bend Bend with all my strength with all my force I'm, I'm gonna be able to get so far with that bar and then what's gonna happen when I let go of that bar gonna go right back to its original shape right or, or maybe maybe if I'm strong enough if I can apply enough force and enough pressure maybe I can break that metal bar in half that's that's mechanical or external change that's outward change and we try to do this with people and behaviors we, we try to do this with people and behaviors you know unfortunately over the years The Church of Jesus Christ, in in many places, has tried to coerce change in people by telling them to do it this way. Some have been promised the blessings of God if they obey. Some have been promised the curses of God if they do not obey. And while that that might be really good peer pressure, it's terrible theology. And we've seen the results of that, right? One of those same two things is going to happen to that person spiritually. Either they will try it for a while and they'll get tired and they'll give up and they'll bounce right back to their former behaviors or they will break in half emotionally, right? And they will become completely broken spiritually. One of those two results is going to happen to the person when we try mechanical or external change and neither result is acceptable. Neither result is any good, because neither result is, is, is lasting permanent change. But the other way to change is to change organically or internally. So, so in this illustration, it would look like, what if I heat up that metal bar? If I get it really, really hot, what happens to, to, to metal when it's really, really hot? You you can mold it, mold it. You can shape it. You can bend it. You can twist it. Right? It becomes flexible. It becomes malleable. We can we can now twist that metal into whatever shape you want because the structure of that metal bar is now different. Right? It's kind of like how a plant grows. A plant grows organically. It grows from the inside. When we try to change people religiously by, by mechanical or outward change, we end up just adding on things for them to do to, to try and measure up. Oh, you gotta read your Bible and pray uh, 30 minutes every day. Oh, you, you, you gotta teach a Sunday school class every week. You, you gotta go serve at the homeless shelter once a month. We, we, we add on these external things, thinking that's what's gonna bring the change. And, and we've got that backwards. We've got that wrong. The Holy Spirit needs to change the heart first, right? When the Holy Spirit changes the heart, our desires change. Then we want to do those things. We want to serve. We want to give. We want to spend time with God and in His Word. We need the Holy Spirit-driven change and transformation to come into our hearts first before our behaviors change. When your desires change on the inside, you naturally change. I don't need to be commanded to eat a medium-rare steak. I'll do that every, every time. I don't need to be commanded to take long walks or long bike rides with, with Tanya. I don't need to be commanded to play softball on Thursday nights. I get to do those things because I love to do those things. And in the same way... I don't have to be commanded to avoid the things that I hate. The the goal of the gospel message is not to restrict you from doing the things that your heart enjoys. The goal of the gospel message is to change your heart. Most of us, if we we wrote this verse in Galatians 5, most of us, we we would probably write it like this. We would write, Don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature, but live by the Spirit. If if, if we took a poll and I asked this question, is is this a verse in the Bible? Most of us would say, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how we change. That's what we're called to. Don't gratify the desires of the flesh, but live by the Spirit. But but you know what? (laughs) That's exactly the opposite of what Paul says. That's exactly the opposite of of what Paul says in the Bible. We would write it like, don't gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Basically, stop doing what you're doing and instead live by the Spirit. But that's the opposite of what Paul says. Here's the actual verse. So I say, live by the Spirit. Boom. First. Live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Did you catch that? He says, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So so if your goal is to simply not live by the sinful nature, you're going to spend your whole life trying to conform, trying to manage your behaviors, trying to restrain yourself. And as soon as you take your eye off it, it's going to bounce right back to where it was. Like the rubber ball and i don't have to tell you this you you know this is true i know this is true we we we've we've lived this we've tried it this way right we absolutely know it's true paul says instead that the holy spirit actually brings a different model of change the holy spirit actually brings life to us that then allows us to bring a change to our lives And why is that the case? Why is that true? Because sadly, there's something very deeply dark about the human soul that as soon as there is a rule, we want to break it. As soon as there is a rule, we want to do the exact opposite. What do we do every time we see a a sign that says, Do not touch wet paint? We touch it every time, right? This, this, is, this is what we do. This is, this is who we are. The Bible says, if you're going to change your life simply by behavior, simply by do not touch wet paint, if that's your model to change, your life will look like the rubber ball every time. It's going to rebound right back to its original shape every time, and you're not going to change So so I think what Paul is saying is that change has to be driven by the Holy Spirit. Change has to be driven by the Holy Spirit. It it has to be driven by the fact that God loves you, that he sent Jesus to die for you, and you are already a new person because of your identity in Christ. And, And the rest of your life isn't about conforming or restraining. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit, to live out the new identity that you already have. We need to daily, I would say hourly, minutely, secondly, moment by moment, we surrender to the Holy Spirit. We allow the Holy Spirit to bring about the change in our lives as a result of the new identity we already have in Christ. We don't manipulate our own behaviors. We can't restrain ourselves or morally conform ourselves enough. It doesn't work that way. Let's let's talk about grace for a minute. My my relationship with God, your relationship with God, 100% based on the grace and mercy of Jesus. Nothing we've done to earn it. Nothing we can do to deserve it. 100% based on the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus came to this earth, died for the forgiveness of of sins for all mankind, And through his death and because of his resurrection, we we are brought into a relationship with God. And and this is 100% a free gift. It is 100% grace. 100% grace. So so maybe the next natural question would be, okay, well, if it's all of grace, then why can't I just do whatever I want, right? I mean, if it's all of grace, I can just do whatever I want. I'm just going to do anything I want to, I'll just do whatever I please because it's doesn't matter. It's all, it's all about grace, right? When you ask that question, technically, technically you understand grace. Yeah, technically you can do whatever you want because there's grace. You, you can just squander your wealth on wild living, as the prodigal son did in Luke 15, yeah, you can squander your wealth on wild living because technically, yeah, it's, it's all about grace. Yes, technically you understand grace, if that's your attitude, but it also means you haven't even begun to understand grace. Okay, technically, yeah, 100%, you understand, you can do whatever you want. Technically, that's true. So yeah, you understand grace, but if that's your attitude about it, you haven't even begun to understand grace. Does grace mean that you can do anything you darn well, please? Yeah. It does. But if that's your attitude about it, then what you really are saying is that you think repercussions and consequences don't apply to you. And and really, you're abusing grace. If that's your attitude about grace, you haven't even begun to understand it. You haven't even begun to understand what true grace is all about. If that's your attitude about it, you're abusing it. And technically you understand it, but you don't have a clue what it means. Paul says that we are changed not by the law, not by conforming or restraining ourselves. God God doesn't say, okay, here's a list. Now you go conform yourself to this list. That's not, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. If you choose that way towards transformation, it's going to look like the rubber ball every time. You're going to squeeze it, and it's going to go right back to the way it was. But if it's not about the law, if it's about your relationship with God that's given to you through Jesus and is made real to you by God's Holy Spirit working and moving in your life, your life will then actually begin to be genuinely transformed. Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the Bible, it's called The Message. This is how he translates this verse. He writes, My counsel is this live freely animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Did you catch the order there? Live freely. Live freely, animated, and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Again, I think most of us would flip that order. (laughs) We, We would flip that around. We would say, Don't feed the compulsions of selfishness, but instead live freely, animated and motivated by God. But it will never work that way. It will never work that way. Unless you have this order that is driven by the Holy Spirit, it'll never work. I don't have a hope to change my life. You don't have a hope to change your life without the Holy Spirit. We don't have a hope without the Holy Spirit and the change that He has already brought to you as a result of your relationship with your Creator in Heaven through Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, absolutely necessary. We can't change (laughs) in our own strength. Never going to happen. Rubber ball. It's got to be the Holy Spirit driving it. Why is the Holy Spirit necessary? because we are natural, law-breaking, self-centered people. So we need a power that's bigger than just keeping the law or conforming to the list or or holding to the moral standard. We need Holy Spirit-driven new birth. That's the only way this deal works. The only way. Paul tells us in verses 24 and 25, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Years ago, I went to a a missions and ministry conference out in San Diego, Point Loma Nazarene University. And at the time, I was a college student and I was playing baseball um, for for ENC, Eastern Nazarene College. And at this ministry conference, there was one event that they took us outside to the baseball field, which overlooked the Pacific Ocean. So if you would hit a home run on this baseball field, it would land, there was a cliff, it would land in the Pacific Ocean. I thought, I think God's calling me to transfer from ENC to Point Loma. Didn't happen. But during this um, little um, event outside on that baseball field, I, I, got, I got speaking with one of the, one of the professors there who, who taught um, surfing as a gym class. So as a gym class elective, you could take surfing. <laughs> Another, oh, maybe I really should consider transferring to Point Loma. So, so I'm talking to this, this individual about... Um, the surfing class that they teach as a, as a gym elective, and, and he says about how when you first start out, like, when you get really good as a surfer, you're, you're, the, 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 the better you get, the more skilled you become, the smaller your surfboard becomes. When you first start out, they, they give you a surfboard that's about the size of a barge, because, you know, when you first start out, you're going to wipe out every time. So you start off with this really big, really long surfboard, and, and it's just a matter of, dealing with the fact that you're going to wipe out again and again and again and you're you're going to keep wiping out until you get the hang of this until you get the handle of it but eventually you get the handle of it and the hang of it and and, and you can you can stay up there for for you know more than a few seconds But you but but eventually you're you're going to wipe out every time you're out there eventually you're going to wipe The point is to keep getting back on the surfboard no matter how many times you wipe out because whereas it's your job to ride the wave as best you can and stay on the board, you're going to wipe out. But there's never been anyone who wiped out who waited for another wave to come come, and it didn't come because the waves keep coming. The waves keep coming. That's the job of the Holy Spirit. The waves are going to keep coming. We're going to wipe out. We get back up on the board and we wait for the next wave to come. God's job is to keep sending the waves. They're never going to stop coming. Waves always keep coming. We always get second chances, third chances, fourth chances. We always get multiple chances to get back up on that surfboard and keep riding the wave. Our job is to do our best to stay on the board. God's job is to keep sending the waves. I really like how um, J.D. Greer puts it. He's a, he's a Southern Baptist preacher from North Carolina. And he writes. this is what he writes. I love this. He writes, Fullness of the Spirit and depth in the gospel are inseparable. One always leads to the other. The more you grow in your knowledge of the gospel, the more intimate you will become with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes the gospel come alive in you, allowing you to truly see it. God's words become his voice to you. This is why the Holy Spirit is a better teacher than even Jesus and confirms what Jesus himself said in John 16, that having the Holy Spirit in us would be better than having Christ beside us. The Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary for transformation in our lives. As we close this morning, I want to read again from Eugene Peterson's The Message, but this time I'm going to read verses 22 and 23. The fruits of the Spirit. Listen to this. Hear this. This is spirit fruit that we should see in our lives as a result of daily living by the Holy Spirit. Eugene Peterson's The Message. But what happens when we live God's way, that is, by the Spirit? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. That's love, joy, and peace, by the way. We develop a willingness to stick with things, patience. We develop a sense of compassion in the heart, kindness, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates all things and people, goodness. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, faithfulness, not needing to force our own way in life, gentleness, and able to marshal and direct our energy wisely, self-control. This is what daily living in the Holy Spirit looks like. This is what we're called to, and it's only possible by Holy Spirit-driven transformation. Father, once again, we are so grateful and thankful to you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for meeting with us today, for speaking to our hearts, and Father, uh, we pray that you will help us to surrender daily to the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Father, would you bring about the transformation that we desire, that you desire for us, that we may live our lives in such a way that brings praise and glory and honor to you and just might influence and encourage others to desire the same. Father, dismiss us with your blessing today. We pray this in the name of God, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.